God, thank you so much for these people. And as this evening, we're going to be talking about the utterance of knowledge. Holy Spirit, we'd like that gift to show up to bless uh, our community, to bless the folks that need to hear from you. And so, Lord, would you do that tonight? Would you speak to those who need to hear from you? A divine knowledge, not something that we've gathered from experience or from study, but something that's directly from you, that we know it's divine. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome back to this midweek service, and this is our second one. And tonight we're going to be looking at the spiritual gift, the utterance of knowledge as found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, and this is what the verse reads. For to one is given through the Holy Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. In our last study of the spiritual gifts, we explored the utterance of wisdom and how wisdom is different from knowledge. Wisdom is the proper use of knowledge, and knowledge is acquired information, acquired skill. Now, knowledge alone is extremely dangerous. Because you look at our world today and the amount of knowledge that we have. We have so much knowledge, more than any other time in history, and yet have we ever been so damaging to our environment? We are so knowledgeable that we've created these weapons that can destroy the earth many times over, not just once, many times over. And we have so much knowledge about our biology, our biochemistry, about chemistry, but aren't we like the most unhealthy people ever to exist? We have longer lifespans, but that doesn't mean we're healthier. So wisdom is the proper application of knowledge and wisdom is lacking in our world. Now, that was covered last month and if you want a review of that gift, you can jump on our website and just click onto that. Tonight, we're gonna be looking at the utterance of knowledge, which is another spiritual gift. When that knowledge isn't acquired through study or experience or some kind of natural means. It's a super natural revelation of knowledge. And so we're going to take a look at examples of this. And the first example we're going to look at is in the Old Testament. And we're going to look at the prophet Elisha, who is one of my favorite guys. If you ask me who I want to be like, it would be Jesus. And then Samuel and Elisha are tied. What's wrong with this guy? It's like nothing. Like, this guy's awesome. And so we're going to look at him, and then we're going to also look at the New Testament as well. So first, the Old Testament, and we're going to find this in 2 Kings chapter 5. It's the story of Naaman, Elisha, and Gehazi. And I'm going to read that entire chapter because the first 20 or so verses give us the background and the context uh, before we look at Elisha's spiritual gift of knowledge. And just no judgment here. I'm just interested in who has read 2 Kings before. Oh, wow, that's great. So I want us to read through this to familiarize yourself with this book again. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, With that, my Lord, were with the prophet who is in Samaria. He would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord, Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. 
And the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. But his servants came near and said to him, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him, and he said, Behold, I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant. But he said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. Then Naaman said, If not, please let there be given to your servant two mule loads of earth, for from now on your servant will not offer burnt offering or sacrifice to any god but the Lord. In this matter may the Lord pardon your servant, when my master goes into the house of Rimmon to worship there, leaning on my arm and I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, when I bow myself in the house of Rimmon, the Lord pardon your servant in this matter. He said to him, Go in peace. But when Naaman had gone from him a short distance, Gehazi, now pay more attention here because this is where Elisha's spiritual gift of knowledge has to do with Gehazi. Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, the man of God, said, See, my master has spared this name in the Syrian in not accepting from his hand what he brought. As the Lord lives, I will run after him and get something from him. So Gehazi followed Naaman, and when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? And he said, All is well. My master has sent me to say, There have just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, Two young men of the sons of the prophets, please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothing. And Naaman said, Be pleased to accept two talents. And he urged him and tied up two talents of silver in two bags with two changes of clothing and laid them on two of his servants, and they carried them before Gehazi. And when he came to the hill, he took them from their hand and put them in the house, and he sent the men away, and they departed. He went in and stood before his master, and Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gehazi? And he said, Your servant went nowhere. But he said to him, Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments? 
olive orchards and vineyards, sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants. Therefore the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and to your descendants forever. For he went out from his presence a leper like snow. Now Gehazi did not gain olive orchards or vineyards, sheep, oxen, male servants, female servants. What Elisha was saying is, that's what you want. That's what's in your heart. And that's what you are thinking. And he thought that that money that he received from that military leader could purchase those things even though he was not the one who healed the man. And so he wanted to profit off of God's work through Elisha, and Elisha called him out on it. It was his utterance of knowledge from the Spirit that Elisha knew what was going on in Gehazi's heart, what was going on in his mind. And so we find Elisha practiced this spiritual gift of knowledge again in the very next chapter, in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 8. Once when the king of Syria was warring against Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall be my camp. But the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are going down there. And the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Then he used to warn him, so that he saved himself there more than once or twice. And the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? They're looking for a traitor. And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha. The prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So you see this other Old Testament example of the utterance of knowledge because Elisha could not possess that knowledge without the Holy Spirit giving him that spiritual gift of knowledge to utter to the king of Israel. God gave him that knowledge supernaturally. Now this gift, this spiritual knowledge, isn't like the knowledge you and I can attain and, and store from learning or from experience. It's not like the knowledge we've gained over the years that helps us in our everyday lives where we can recall something, uh, some knowledge that we've gained in the past because we're in need of it. The utterance of knowledge is a gift of, from God that comes to us when He wants to reveal whatever it is He wants to reveal to us. And sometimes we don't even know that we're uttering this knowledge. I don't think Peter knew what knowledge he possessed when Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Right? You, you look at this New Testament example, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That utterance of knowledge that Peter spoke was not from him, it was from God. And it's not something that Peter gained over time in that hike towards Caesarea Philippi. It's not something that he learned from Jesus. This was supernatural, spiritual knowledge 
that was given to him, which is also available to us, just as it was available to Elisha back then. This supernatural spiritual knowledge of events, of things, of information, happenings, given to Elisha is also available to us. Not through something that we've gained through time, not something that we've studied and we've gained that information. Now, we've been camping out in 2 Kings here with Elisha regarding his gift of knowledge. Let me show you something also in 2 Kings chapter 4 that even the great prophet Elisha couldn't have this knowledge at will. That he couldn't just tap into it at any time that he wanted. That this is truly a gift from God. Starting in verse 8. One day Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him and he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway, and he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers, and he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? Is this neither new moon nor Sabbath? She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, Urge the animal on. Do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there is the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain to the man of God, she caught hold of his feet and Gehazi came to push her away. But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Did you catch that? The Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Even the great prophet Elisha could not tap into this spiritual knowledge at will. This is a gift from God. This is a spiritual gift from God. This is not the knowledge of man. It's not like one man can possess all knowledge. Only God is omniscient, right? Only he is all-knowing. And so I know from my personal experiences that there have been times in my life that God has revealed to me spiritual knowledge. 
and this utterance of knowledge. And when I realize that the Holy Spirit has given me this knowledge, I feel so blessed and that he's working in my life in such a real way. And most of the time, I don't even know that this utterance of knowledge has been given to me until after the fact, after I've said it, after the matter. But when I realize that that gift was given to me, it's so thrilling. And I just want more of it because it helps me to recognize how real God is. That he's speaking to me. And even Jesus didn't have this gift of knowledge all the time. Right? All the rest of the time he did. But there's an instant where Jesus did not have this knowledge. Jesus, the Son of God, part of the Trinity, right? And while fully God, he was also fully man. And so there are some facets of his deity that were temporarily put aside. And this is the example, right? When will Jesus return? When will Jesus' second coming happen? We don't know. And neither did he. Right? Mark chapter 13, verse 32. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. And that's the one occurrence when we see Jesus not having the gift of knowledge, but there are so many other occurrences when Jesus did have the gift of knowledge. One is found in John chapter 1, starting in verse 45. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. It's kind of like, Can anything come out of Oakland? Yes. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. I would have been freaked out. What? What? Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So aside from knowing his return, Jesus pretty much has this gift of knowledge down. Right? John chapter 16, verse 30. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. And when the disciples said to Jesus, you know all things, you notice that Jesus didn't correct them. Well, not really all things. Right? Jesus had this spiritual gift. Jesus had this one. And so did his disciples. You should check out Acts chapter 5, starting in verse 1. But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. You see how Peter was given this utterance of knowledge? 
Peter knew that Ananias and Sapphira were dishonest, that they were lying to the Holy Spirit. The sin wasn't the withholding of their proceeds. Right? That's not the sin here. Peter said in verse 4, While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? It's yours. And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? You do whatever you want with it. Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. It's the dishonesty. It's the lying. It wasn't about the amount that they gave or didn't give. They wanted to appear as though they were giving everything to God, but they weren't. And sometimes we're guilty of the same thing. When we want things to appear better than they actually are. Right? We give this front. And so whether it's giving to God or any other spiritual aspect of our life, we are presenting this front when that's not what's really happening inside of us. It's the same problem. It's the same dishonesty. It's the same hypocrisy. Now, we know that the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge are distinctly different from one another. And so are the gifts of discernment and the gift of prophecy. And there are just some movements between all of these spiritual gifts. And we'll see that, that sometimes multiple gifts are given at a time. And it's not always one at a time sort of thing. So let's take a look at an example of where it's just the gift of knowledge. And when multiple gifts are at work at the same time. And we're going to look at Acts again. Acts chapter 8. Covering a lot of scripture today. Starting in verse 5. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lamed were healed. So there was much joy in that city. But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he had amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity." See, Simon, this magician, resented that he had lost power that he once had over people. He had fame, he had power, he enjoyed that, and he wanted that back. He thought that he could buy that from Peter and John. And so he thought that that was for sale. But Peter was given the utterance of knowledge about Simon's heart. 
he was able to gain insightful understanding of Simon's corrupt heart. And while Simon thought that that spiritual gift could be bought, Jesus' disciples knew that it was a gift from God that couldn't be purchased. Paul understood this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, Paul wrote, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Apart from the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's gift of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, we can't know God. You can't know Him. Zophar, the Namathite, one of Job's friends, he asked Job this in Job chapter 11, verse 7. Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? And the answer is yes. Through the revelation of the Holy Spirit but not through your own intellect, not through your own journey or discovery. We can't find that on our own. We need the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, I've experienced this wonderful spiritual gift, the utterance of knowledge, and most regularly and consistently, this happens actually when I'm teaching the Word of God. That's when it usually happens. And I'll notice something I said, which I did not have in my notes, or say something because I didn't remember reading it or studying it or anything, but I'm getting this revelation while I'm speaking, and it didn't come from my personal studies or my experiences. And sometimes as I'm speaking, I'll have an utterance of knowledge that God has given me, an insight and understanding, which I'm quite surprised has come out of my mouth because that wasn't me because I'm not that smart. And so while I'm speaking in real time, and I know that I've received this utterance of knowledge, and sometimes I just want to stop, and I just want to thank God in the middle of the sermon, because I feel so blessed that he gave that knowledge to me to share, and I'm so thankful that I can share that. Now, do you know how many people have come to me and asked me how I knew what they were going through? A lot. I've had spouses come to me and ask me, if their wife or their husband snitched on them, right? And sometimes, yes, they did. Sometimes, no, right? And so it's the utterance of knowledge, right? And so some people are fighting and saying, accusing me that I told, that their wife told me something about their struggles or something like that, and I didn't say anything. Or during a counseling session, I'm just talking, and I just say this thing, and they're like, what? You told him. She's like, I didn't tell him. And so, so many occurrences of people showing up at church and what is being shared from the pulpit is directly touching someone's life because of what they're going through. And it's not just me. It's just the person who's speaking the word of God and at that time they're given this gift. I haven't been here for the past several weeks, but I have heard stories of Brett Anderson who taught a couple of weeks ago and the gift of the utterance of knowledge came out of him because some people came to me and told me See, God gifted Brett, this South African dude with dreads, transplanted to Oakland, California, from the other side of the world, was gifted with this utterance of knowledge a couple of weeks ago, and he probably doesn't even know it. He probably didn't even know it. And that was a manifestation of the word of knowledge. He probably wasn't aware that God revealed to him what people were going through. And sometimes that's the case. The gift manifests and the person who is exercising the gift doesn't even know 
that it's happening. And sometimes there's some crossover with other gifts such as prophecy. Right? When you warn someone of something harmful that they're doing, which you had no previous knowledge about, but you do that and you warn them of that, and they continue doing that harmful thing, and you also share with them that if you continue doing that thing, there's a severe consequence. And so that is tied in with prophecy, right? So both knowledge and prophecy happening there, and oftentimes it happens in a pretty casual way, like just in a conversation or in a church service. Right? We're just talking. Now some of you may be wondering, why in the world would God give me knowledge about someone else's life? Why would he do that? Isn't that their business? And shouldn't I just mind my own business? I got enough problems. Why do I want to do that? Maybe it was given to you so that you can pray. So that you can pray for that person and their circumstances. Maybe it wasn't for you to say anything. Maybe it's for you to pray about it. Maybe the utterance of knowledge is for you to express that to God. To intercede for them. But maybe not. Maybe it is for you to say something to them. Maybe you are to share the knowledge with that person. So you see how we also need the other spiritual gifts like wisdom and discernment if we have this gift of knowledge, right? Because we need to figure out if is this something for me just to pray to God or is this something that I need to actually share with the person? Now, I'm pretty involved with church planting around the Bay Area and I've seen a lot of churches just come and go in the past 13 years. And I vividly remember this one family who came to plant a church in the East Bay. And so we got to talking. And before the guy even spoke a word, it just popped in my head that this couple, this married couple, and they had children. But this couple has problems, and they aren't to plant a church. And he didn't share anything with me yet. He didn't share with me that he was here to plant a church. I didn't even know that they were married for that matter. I just see two people. But that's just glaring to me. I did not share that with them. I shared that with my pastor at the time. And so a few years later, they ended up planting a church. And then a few years later after that, we find that the church dissolved. And so did their marriage. Well, you should have shared that with them. Maybe that would have saved their marriage. Maybe that... We did pray for them. Right? We interceded for them. And that church was not one that we supported to be planted because we exercised the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge, the gift of discernment, the gift of prophecy. We didn't move forward with that. Now, I don't think that everything uttered as a word of knowledge is indeed the spiritual gift of knowledge. right? Because we're going to do this tonight. We're going to have a time where we're going to be open to the Holy Spirit to share this utterance of knowledge with us. And some of you are anticipating, hoping that God uses a brother or sister to speak into your life. You want that. And I'm hopeful, faithful that the Holy Spirit's going to do that. But let's keep this in mind. How many guys do we have here? I don't know, 15, whatever, right? Now, if someone stands up and says, you know what, I, I sense that someone in this room is struggling with pornography. I would tell you you're wrong because it's not one, it's more likely eight to ten. That's not an utterance of knowledge. Right? That's just life. It's not someone. It's quite a few of you, I'm sure. 
And if you are struggling with that, I want to pray with you about that. I want to resource you with things to help you overcome that addiction, that sin that is so damaging to you, that is so damaging to your relationships. If you're married, it is damaging your spouse. If you're not, it's damaging your relationships with your friends. It's damaging your relationships with your family. Now, these broad generalizations are not the utterance of knowledge. I have a Band-Aid on my toe. And so you go, someone here has pain in their toe. Duh! I ripped the nail on my toe, right? It hurts. So in exercising this gift tonight, please don't do that. Right? Don't do that. We want to provide a space for this to happen, but let's keep these kind of obvious things in mind. They're obvious. And let's be open to exercise that gift and not afraid to make mistakes, right? We're going to say them and hopefully others have the gifts of discernment. Others have the gift of wisdom and we can kind of navigate all of this. And while we're not going to blindly accept whatever is shared as the utterance of knowledge because we're going to kind of use the other gifts to fine-tune that. Let's truly exercise the spiritual and let's seek the spirit. Let's not use this as a time of condemnation. Let's not use this as a time of I have some insider information on that guy's life and so I'm going to share that. No. This is spiritual. This is not some sort of insider trading thing where you have an inside tip on someone's life and you're going to share that. All right? The Holy Spirit reveals that to you. Awesome. But if it's just something you gained through natural means because you have experienced life with a person and you see things or that you've just studied and you've seen, that does not count. Don't do that. God is not a God of confusion. So if what is shared brings about confusion, that is not of the Spirit. Okay, so let's be open to what God has for us tonight. I know that there are people hoping to hear from God tonight. They're hoping to have an utterance of knowledge. And I am hoping and praying that God uses you, uses me for that. So open to what the Holy Spirit has for us tonight. And I'm so thankful for what God has done in my life. For this church, I'm so grateful to the Holy Spirit and how he has worked in my life and worked in this church. And even though he has done so much, there is so much more to be done. And let's be open to that open to be used and led by the Holy Spirit. And while these gifts we're looking at are wonderful, I want us to end with this, to not lose sight of the gift that we all possess. And it's the most important, love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. The goal of tonight is not to have somebody utter a word of knowledge. We're going to continue exploring these spiritual gifts I want to really focus on when you leave that you feel loved by this church, that you feel loved by the people in here, 
that you can lean on people here to love you. And if the Holy Spirit shows up in these other ways, but we have not love, it doesn't matter. So let's go forward with love, and if these other things come for us, then awesome. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we are waiting in anticipation of what you're going to do this evening, and we ask, God, for the people that need to hear from you, that they would hear from you. And even if it's not this evening, that they would hear from you at a time that is in your perfect timing for them to help them make decisions that they need to make or want to make. I pray, Lord, that your love flows freely here from your children, that we would not withhold that gift. In Jesus' name, amen.